Buckle up for AEC Trailblazers, the Founders Files, where we crack open the stories of the brightest minds in the AEC startup scene. Forget institutional pitches, while diving deep into the real personal journeys of these industry disruptors. Get ready for some casual chats firsthand. Welcome, everybody, to the AEC Startups Podcast. We have here today a uh, Logan from Argyle. Logan, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello, I am Logan. I'm from Argyle. Um, and yeah, what do you what do you want to know? <laughs> I don't know traumas from your infancy or oh, perfect. We're just jumping in right in deep. Okay, perfect. Uh, no, I so I used to be uh, an architect. And then kind of veered off from the traditional architecture practice. Uh, first started getting into VR development for the industry. I was doing that at my firm. And then eventually um, got started with my co-founder and CEO, Merit. Uh, we started Argyle to do augmented reality on the construction site specifically. So we are overlaying the BIM models directly onto the site in one-to-one so you can see the plan next to the reality. Um, and then our customers are finding all kinds of crazy and useful oh, right. with that. Be- before we deep dive into Argyle, because I do have a lot of like nerdy questions to, to make about, but how, how, how do you end up, because you're really... Uh, for everybody who doesn't know this, I've worked with Logan, seeing how knowing codes, he's a really technical guy that like, no one would have imagined you're even an architect because you, the stuff you do is so complex that how do you end up transitioning from an arch- being an architect to developing complex 3D VR algorithms? I think... Uh, I was always sort of supposed to be in this job and I just didn't realize it. I had, uh, I had a, something imagined in my head about what the architecture profession was and ended up finding it very frustrating. But I, I did, um, a lot of technical stuff sort of casually on the side before that. Um, and I think interestingly, the transition happened Partly because when I was when I was still practicing as an architect, the first um, sort of of this era VR headsets came out, and it just absolutely captured my imagination. And so while I had you know made some websites in the past, and when I was young, I would program my graphing calculator, things like that. I hadn't done it really seriously, um, or actually, I did. I, I I was a computer science major for six months before <laughs> changing my major because yeah it was it was my freshman year of college and they wanted I think they really wanted to weed out the people who weren't serious so they didn't tell us about um, like debuggers or development environments or anything like that they just gave us a text document and a command line compiler and said try to write stuff and I found it a miserable experience and said all right well this isn't for me um tried to do architecture because i wanted to be on site and i wanted to be really involved and stuff um but 
when that when the Vive came out and the original HoloLens came out, I was several years into my architecture practice, finding that that was not everything I had hoped for, and just absolutely dove in and was spending all my nights and weekends learning to code, taking uh, those internet classes. And when my partner noticed that and was like, you, you are working way too hard at this and they are not paying you to do this work. What are you doing? Maybe, maybe you're in the wrong profession. And that sort of got me started veering off. And it, it's just been a fascination. And so I've spent all my time learning and doing. I think, I think it's a common story that uh, it's fascinating how we architects who learn how to code, we end up sometimes even investing more time on, on learning how to code than our actual jobs. And we, we do it for free. And I don't know how it was, how it was for you, but when I started, I'm an architect as well, and when I started, it was extremely frustrating because I didn't even know what a variable was. I didn't even know... Anything and nobody like explain like, like happened to you what a compiler was or what even an algorithm was or a software architecture was. It was just doing stupid stuff that didn't make any sense at the beginning. I don't know if well, how was your experience. I so I did. I, I there's definitely been a lot of times where I experienced something like that. I think my pathway in was a more palatable pathway than some people take well early on i did start trying to make revit plugins and that was extremely frustrating trying to navigate a revit api when i didn't have a software background um but when i was started working on the vr stuff i started in unity and the really nice thing about that as a uh sort of learning platform is it is more immediately rewarding if that makes sense. So like you can, you can write a script in four lines and watch a cube rotate around on your screen. And that feels like you made something that is doing something. Whereas if you're just writing like a command line program, you don't get to see as much action as quickly. And so that could keep me interested. And unity takes care of a lot of that stuff. If you're willing to use their out of the box um, software, they have, you know, the compilers and all that sort of built into it. So it's a, it's an environment that I found educational friendly. That makes sense. And it, it, and even when it's, I feel that the, the bar is lower to start, it's still something so powerful uh, because you can make these complex, not only games for sure, but also complex applications like, like Argyle. Argyle is actually the the AR portion of Argyle is built on Unity platform, although so many of its defaults are overridden. A, a games focused Unity dev might find it somewhat unrecognizable. Well, I feel that the the strategy, the architecture, like everything, it's not related with games, so. It makes sense that it's completely uh, different from developing a game or the structure of of a game, where you know it's a style and then repetitive mm -hmm. loops. Here, 
it's it's a real life. Like you're using it for the real life, not a. I, I don't know. That's that's what I think. It's magic on what you are doing. Um, what what do you think? It's the the most complex and unique thing about what you're doing for for a guy in Unity. I think I think the big challenge um, does come from that fact that this is being used not for games but for uh, the real world. It comes in two parts. One is when we say the real world, we're actually talking about the physical world and uh, in augmented reality, like there aren't very many games that are really trying to engage with the physical world in the way that Argyle is. Um, and so there are a ton of challenges in trying to accommodate an unpredictable environment. And that's, that's the piece is when you build a game or even just any software that is not augmented reality, you know the environment because you're handing them the environment that they're going to be using. And we have to say, okay, what if there's a physical wall in the way? And you, the, I remember one of the first things we had to redesign our interface, our like UI, because we had it open up in front of you when you started up the app. And then uh, it would just stay there. And we opened up the app, walked downstairs to look at something else. And then I had to walk upstairs to go get my menu because I'd left it in a different part of the building. <laughs> and that's the kind of thing where, oh, yeah, you always have your menu with you if you're in a regular game. So we had to accommodate a lot of those things. But then the other part is uh, we don't provide the 3D content. That's provided by our customers. And they have a million different ways of modeling and we have to try to make the app ready to accept their model and use that model intelligently, even when we can't rely on the fact that they've used levels. We can't rely on the fact that you use grids. We can't rely on the fact that there's floors there. So there's all these uh, trying to predict the way that our customers are going to be using it and the kind of content they're going to provide and be ready for that has been a big challenge and one that there isn't a lot of precedent for. That I feel that a lot of um, AC founders are suffering the same thing. Anytime you need to process like a BIM model or use it as an input, it, it's so hard to process it and, and have always the same outcome because there is no standard. And even if, let's say, you define a standard, your clients are going to say, no way. I want to use my the, my own thing, I guess. Absolutely. And like any, any one of our customers, they're going to be using our app, sure. But they're going to be using it with a model that they have invested at a minimum tens of thousands of dollars worth of labor building that model. There's no way that they're going to change their practices of this immense investment of modeling just to use our software. So we have to make sure that it is ready for them however they are using it. And do, do you feel AI is going to be helpful here? Because like all, all the companies that are starting to analyze models, I know it's different, but if you want to, I don't know, you want to define what's a lobby, what's a corridor, what's a wall, and if they have different naming conventions, AI can help to a certain extent. Because if I name a lobby kitchen, there is no way AI will understand that. But, but how do you feel it's going to be in, in your case? Do you feel it's, it's going to help or not that much? That's, 
Okay, that's that's an interesting that's an interesting question. We um, so we we've been talking a lot about this and how uh, AI how, how we are and will be leveraging AI in our product. And so we're, we're talking a lot about what's what's the first and best and most bang for your buck uh, use cases. And I do think that there is a lot of power in AI being able to interpret things that are not straightforward. So like it can take something vague and make a good guess about what you meant. But it can only do that if it's had a lot of training data giving it the right answer. So the first thing that we need to do is uh, have good enough data to even start making that AI. Um, and that training data has to have consistency in its formats and stuff. Um, so I do think I do think we are going to get to a place where we can do some better auto-labeling. Uh, but it's a few steps away. It makes sense. I think that that could be a, a great idea for a for a project for the community, like everybody providing models and using the data anonymously to train a, a model for beam models that, like an AI model for beam, of beam models that can help you identify elements. I, I feel. <laughs> That, that sounds like I would absolutely love to have a place where we could all share our models and, and use that for training. Although I think a lot of firms would be pretty titchy about wanting to share that data. However, I will, I will say one of the things that we are beginning to look into is using the good data that we have to begin to train AI to recognize problem situations. Uh, one of the w- one of the major topics for us right now is the this idea of AR as a feast for AI is the sort of it's the title of a talk we've given a couple times. Um, and the idea is we have really really good uh, information here. That un- like we have a device that knows where it is in the building. We have a device that uh, can see the world, and because of the BIM, we have a device that can know what it's looking at. And so we can start to look at images and recognize parts of the building and have a a labeled data set to have AI be really intelligent for the construction industry, not just recognizing taxi cabs and people walking down the street, but recognizing stainless steel pipe and where these openings are and where's a fall hazard. That so that's something that we are very excited amazing. about. Yeah, absolutely. I've never ever seen something like that out there. Like for, for sure, there are apps with AI that takes an image of a camera or something and gives and tells you like, hey, this guy doesn't have like a helmet or or a vest or whatever, but I feel nowhere has ever tried to make a comparison and using AI between what you designed and what you're building. So that that's absolutely exciting. Uh, and I don't, I don't think it's really been practical or possible before because those data sets would have been impossibly difficult and expensive to create. And so that's something that we have that hasn't 
been available. That's why now is the time to start looking at that. That's so cool. And another question I have is, are you going to do all that in Unity? You're still... Uh, like why? Why didn't you choose Unity at the beginning? Yeah, let's let's start from there. Okay, yeah, let's let's back up and uh, so if people don't know about it, Unity is a game engine, and it or it was originally made to be a game engine. Now sometimes they refer to it as a real time engine. A uh, major competitor is Unreal, um, and then for games, there's some other engines out there, but for more uh, business applications. Those are kind of the big ones. And these engines are generally, if you're building AR and VR, this is what you're building on top of in most cases. And I do, if if there's somebody looking to do in-house development to make some interesting and interactive tools, it's a great place to start doing that. Um, and there, but there are definitely limitations. So when you talk about, are you going to do this AI in Unity? It's like, sort of. We are. We have to go through whole other software suites, but we can at least plug that stuff in because Unity can send data and receive data. So as long as we can host a model somewhere, we can uh, get those uh, get those inferences happening, get the data where we need it. But. That makes sense. Um, do you have any suggestions or advice to other developers that are starting using Unity? I remember that like five years ago when the, the what was the name of the connection between Rabbit and Unity? It was uh, Unity Connect. It was Reflect. Reflect. Unity Reflect. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody wanted to use Unity and develop stuff, but not, not many people were able to actually create an actual product that, like you did. Um, why, why do you feel that happened? I think that the... Oh, we were talking about you know building something in-house versus building something that is broadly applicable. I think that there is an enormous gap between uh, a working prototype and a repeatable, scalable product. And it's, it's interesting. It's, it's a little bit like when you see a house being built and the framers come and you're like, wow, they built that whole house in a week and then everyone else is there for the next nine months finishing out all the other work that has to be done. When I think about the, the prototype of Argyle that we made in a few months, on paper you could describe it and it could sound a lot like what we have today. But the depth of technology that we had to build in order to get something that we can now just send out to new customers and they can use every day on their job site was huge. Um, And I think that a lot of people, especially if they're getting started doing in-house dev, they might not have the appetite to invest for that long and that much to get something that's that reusable. But you don't have to necessarily. So like advice I would give is if you are an in-house dev at a firm, find the use cases that don't need to be repeatable. Like here's an example. One of the, um, when I was still an architect and I was doing VR on the side, I could manually import 
uh, Revit model by, you know, opening it up in 3DS Max and then baking it down and prepping all the materials to bring it over to Unity. And all that stuff was pre-baked and and that was much more technologically achievable and simple. You could do that in a few hours. Um, and then you could make walkthroughs that are interactive. Like one of the first ones I made for an actual client was you walk around this commercial space and pick up material samples and touch them to the walls and floors and try out different surfaces. I think it had maybe 30 lines of code and the whole thing and some manual imports. And then another one I had was when I wanted to, I, I was designing a whole campus of apartment buildings and I was trying to lay out the campus. So I made the buildings into objects that you could pick up and move around and then a scale jump function so that you could place all your buildings and then jump down to human scale and see how it felt and then move your buildings around and then jump down to human scale. And that's the kind of tool that you can make in hours or days and get immediate use out of it and then throw it away and that's fine because it only needed to be used once. Then if you want to actually make something reusable, you're quitting your job and finding co-founders and starting down a long road. (laughs) I think that's something that no founder wants to to hear. Uh. <laughs> I do. I love. I love. I, I love being a founder. I love encouraging people, but I also want to be very realistic up front about how immense it is. Uh, I, I've heard people saying, "Oh, you know, I'm. I don't have a job right now, and I need some money, so I'm going to start a business." And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa." you have to be coming from a much safer position and a place where you can work your ass off for a year or three before you start even getting paid it's brutal uh but really fun if it's what you want no i agree on that i i remember that last year we were part of uh, an accelerator and one of the mentors there was he was an investor as well like he was he was asking me like are you willing to stay at least 15 years doing this and i was like well, i was i'm not expecting to be doing the same thing for 15 years but and he was like if if a person doesn't say yes to me just straightforward yes after you ask that i don't invest i never invest because that's the time it takes. If you're thinking this as, as a spring race, then yeah, sure, there are people who, who make it, like, who made it like that. But sure, you can just go to the casino and become a millionaire. Yeah, yeah, the, the odds are against Some you. Point. That's it's never, right. yeah. It's not a good strategy. Yeah, absolutely. But you, you cannot expect your whole life waiting for money that is going to come from, from a casino. So, um, so, so we agree on, with, with you on that. It's, it's a marathon, it's not on the sprint. And, you need a lot, a lot of patience. Um, mm-hmm. It it is there. There are some things we are just finishing up now that I am so thrilled with that I think I had on my calendar a year and a half ago, thinking that I was going to get them done then, and I was naive. <laughs> but, uh, it, it it it's it's it sucks because. That happens. That happens a lot. When, like, for us, I, I remember that, like, last year we said in our company, like, "Hey, we're gonna release this cool product. Um, 
it's going to be for free for the community, whatever. Um, we decided that on January. Uh, fast forward, uh, we uploaded the, the tool to the Autodesk App Store last week. <laughs> so <laughs> when it was supposed to be a project, it was going to took us, take us one week. It took us more than a year. And, and a week to a year, that's, yeah, not bad. Not bad. It's good. Well, we were not we're not working on that for the whole oh, year. It was just uh, more important things appeared, and then we that that had to wait because also I feel that's not an important thing. You need to be flexible because you 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 never know. Like if you keep doing the same thing over and over, and, and things change, even technology change. Like new interfaces to to you. I think that that happened to you as well, right? That. Um, you were using one version of the whole lens than another one or something like that? Oh yeah. Our, our prototype was made on the HoloLens one, which I, if anyone has used the HoloLens one, it was a very different experience than the new air headsets. The, we called like the, the, uh, view angle, the field of view, we called it postage stamp because it was like this little square in front of you. And if you wanted to look at a building sitting on a table, like a little model, you'd be scanning up and down it because the field of view was so tiny. Um, it didn't have any kind of spatial interface, really. Um, so it was it was a very different kind of experience. And that was how we started. HoloLens 2 came out. We immediately jumped over to that. And now we're still supporting HoloLens 2, which is very good because as the other AR companies sort of drop off there's a lot of people with hololens 2s gathering dust that uh need a new ar solution um but now we're also supporting magic leap 2 which is the most powerful ar device on the market right now and we are about to uh take our ios app out of beta so that's a totally different interface kind of paradigm trying to do 3d uh, interface on a 2D screen, but in a 3D world, it's a very sort of mind-bending back and forth design problem on how to make that interface work. Uh, so we've had to be very flexible with the design, with the interface, uh, but also with priorities. Like you were talking about more important things coming up. I Sometimes I'm simultaneously surprised by how the long-term vision has changed very little we we kind of had a vision of what we needed to build and it's still every day it's reinforced that that's the right strategy the short-term priorities are changing every week because we suddenly realize that there's need here that we didn't know about and we've got demand from this customer or we have a bug here that needs to be fixed or whatever the case may be. So we've had to yeah. shuffle constantly, but still heading in the same direction. Well, but that's still, that I feel that that's the fun thing about being an entrepreneur, that things change in, that's also fun sometimes. When you lose a bag and someone calls you on a Saturday, it's not that fun, but... um but I can relate to that. And it, it, it's so cool that, that you mentioned that you're uh, taking this to iOS. Are you planning on, on making this available for the new lens 
that uh, Apple is going to release? Have you thought about that? We definitely have thought about it. So we're talking about the Apple Vision Pro. Yeah. Um, and I'll say this. We have one ordered and on its way sometime. I can't remember how long it's going to take to get here. Um, we will be experimenting it with it. We will be testing it. But since our app is used on site, these are PPE environments and um, it is, we don't talk to a lot of uh, safety managers who are really excited about the idea of wearing a headset where if something goes wrong, you're wearing a blindfold on the construction site. So the headsets that we use are transparent glass. So if you're not seeing anything, or if you're not seeing the holograms, you're seeing the world. It's just a pair of sunglasses at that point or safety glasses. Um, but the Apple Vision Pro is actually a pass-through VR. They can kind of call it mixed reality, but it's it's like the Quest 3, um, where you're seeing cameras projecting onto your eyes. And so that's a, it's a very different safety thing. Um, that said, Apple has a tendency of setting precedent for design interaction design. So we may be modifying some of our interaction methods to more closely match that because we suspect that Apple may be kind of setting those standards. Um, but yeah, safety is, safety is the big one. Uh, if you, if you go to our website, argyle.build and look at their, our videos, you can see we have this edge rendering technique and that's, that's part of that too. You can't use AR on site if it's blocking your vision whether that's because it's a pass-through headset or because you're rendering all the surfaces. So uh, my job this month actually is to improve that edge rendering to make it uh, more efficient on these platforms. So it's an extremely important part of our technique and why people feel like they can walk around a job site safely while using our app. That That's something really interesting, Ed. And remember, I think it was at AU that we were displaying your video and someone was asking that specific question. Why why they don't use like shades and show the colors on the walls and it it and it's a, it, it makes total sense. Like it's just edges because otherwise it can even be dangerous. Yeah. It's not only dangerous, but it's also not as useful. We're trying to look at reality next to plan and if your reality is totally covered up by the plan, then how are you supposed to do your job? How are you supposed to compare? No, that makes sense. You know, Google, Meta, Apple, all of them are investing money or have investing money in investing money in the past for the whole world to use something uh, the AR, AR, right? AR or VR. In real life, like to be able to walk in, have AR, give me feedback in real time about anything, right? Like what type of plants I am looking at, uh, I don't know, what the ingredients for a recipe or anything. But nobody, no one has been able to do it yet, right? No, no one. Do you think that's related more with the, the, the software or more with the interfaces that it's not something that it's, really something that you can use all the time. Like nobody goes walking through the street with a, 
with a hololens all day. Right. I think I think it's a, a combination of uh, it's a very hard technological problem to make it as good as it needs to be, but also I think that that expectation is maybe built on some false assumptions. Um, where like, I mean, I I I love my VR games, uh, and they are undoubtedly a better experience than the dumb little iPhone games that I have. But I've probably put more hours into my dumb little iPhone games than I have into my top quality VR games. It's it's just not an all the time thing because it's not comfortable enough. It's not convenient enough, and it's not. We don't want total immersion all the time. Um, and so this walking around using AR VR constantly isn't really it what AR wants to be in the near future. That said, um, the, I think what the place where AR makes sense is the place where it empowers you in a way that no other technology does. Like, I don't really want my headset to look at my spreadsheets because I can look at my spreadsheets fine on a monitor. That's, that's fine. Um, but like, as an example, why we're doing what we are at Argyle is because you can't do that kind of uh, quality assurance or, or planning in the same way without these tools. You can't access that information. You don't have that intuitive kind of understanding of it. It is transformatively more useful. And yet, even so, it is still an uphill uh, journey to make those transitions and start using it. It's immensely valuable, immensely useful. Catching one mistake more than pays for the headset and our software put together. Um, and it's, it's still a lot of work to get there and consumers aren't going to be doing that immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and speaking about the Argyle and the lenses, um, can, can you tell me a little bit about um, what are your differentiators? What makes your clients love your product? Uh, yeah, there's, I'd say there's a few different categories of it. Um, let's see, there's, I'll, I'll start with the data. So when the, the, the first entrance into the AR job site idea, cause it's, it's one of those obvious ideas uh, that makes just so much sense. We're not the first people to come up with it. But like we've talked about, getting it right is incredibly difficult. So uh, we'll start with just the, the data pipeline. These models that people are making are gigantic. They're hugely complex. Uh, they make them in a million different ways. And uh, so letting all that render on a mobile device, especially one that you wear on your face, is not easy at all. And so 
we had to not only build our own uh, data format and parsers to parse those models into this real-time ready format, but also get them ready to be able to uh, render without crashing the device. So we, we have um, this thing we call walk to load. So it only even begins processing any of the model elements that are near you. So you, you see what's around you and what's important to you at any given time. And as you walk through the space, it gives up what's behind you and loads what's around you right now. And that's how you can have a gigantic model that you could never render at once, but you can still see everything in the model. Um, and we were able to do that all on the device. So once you pre-download, you can use it offline. A lot of these uh, job sites are not very well connected. Um, you don't have great data connectivity out there because uh, they're still building the infrastructure. So that's like getting, getting that data in, um, getting it exported into a good format. We actually got uh, your company's help with some of the exporters, which really helped get us where we needed to be to have that um, uh, ready to go for the parsers. Then the other big challenge, I think, I'll, I'll do the two. We already talked about the uh, rendering style, where the default rendering style that these game engines provide you is one of total immersion where you can't see the real world you just see the holograms and that was a non-starter for being able to actually do valuable work or walk safely around the site uh, so we had to do a bunch of work getting that uh, render style set up but once people use AR with that then they never want to go back to the version where they can't actually see what they're doing then the third one um, was, I think, when we figured this one out, it let us know that starting this company was the right thing to do. And that is the alignment problem. When you have your, you have a gigantic model that you need accurately aligned over the entire job site, that's not something that really existed before. So we uh, built a system and got a couple of patents on it. We call it RISA, Resilient Interdependent Spatial Alignment. And that lets us align the entire hologram for the entire job site to within sub-inch accuracy over the entire site and uh, accommodate drift and self-heal. If, if you build a wall and that understanding breaks, it repairs that understanding and stays aligned and you come back next week and it snaps itself back into place again uh, so it's always the data is just there where you want it where you need it um, and those things in combination finally let this be a tool that everyone can use and you can use for your real job without it being more of a chore to use than the benefits you actually get that's so cool and were your your clients? Most of your clients are GCs, SAPs, architects. You know, I was actually surprised a little bit. We uh, we originally designed this primarily with GCs in mind, um, and we do have uh, GC customers, uh, but we've found a lot more. I'm going to say more 
but I'm actually not totally confident of this because I'm the tech one. I'm not on sales and uh, customer <laughs> facing, but I hear a lot about the trades uh, in high tech doing manufacturing and installation of these things where they have extreme needs right now where they say these jobs fast. We need installation to be correct. Prefabbing parts. Uh, and so that's where we got a lot of our demand and interest was actually in the, in the trades and subcontractors. That's so cool. How, let's say someone wants to try Argyle, how they contact you, how is the process they need to get, uh, magic leap or holodensis first, and then contact you. How's the typical process of someone who wants to try the technology? Yeah. So we, it, it depends a little bit on their, like how, what we would recommend it depends a little bit on their use case, their, uh, firm size and things like that. Um, but then get in touch with, uh, our sales people. Um, Jared and Merritt are good people to talk to there. The, the website has forms on it, I think. Again, I'm the technology guy. <laughs> uh, but uh, typically, they'll talk to you about your use case, and then if it's time to try it out, you can get trial access. And then depending on the kind of project, uh, you either make sure you have one of the headsets, Magic Leap 2 or HoloLens 2, or in some cases, perhaps just trying it on the handheld although um that's not as good of an experience in my opinion uh getting better all the time but um the hands-free walk-free headsets are fantastic i recommend having one i am such a fan so i cannot i cannot go against that uh I have bought holidays i bought uh oculus nice. like any any time there is something out there I buy it for the company supposedly for the company Matt. <laughs> doesn't mean you can't have some games installed on there yeah all those are in my house they're always in my house it's for the company but they're not being in my house for me to try new stuff yeah we uh, think I mean it was really important that we have both handheld and headset but I think best case scenario is when uh, our customers have both so they've, they've got that headset for when they're needing to do work while they're in it. They've got that headset for doing initial setup. Uh, but then everyone on site has an iPad or a phone or something. So for just doing a quick check of something, those, those can be a really good, helpful. Here, here's a quick way to look at your data without having to go back to the job site and open up Revit and look up some metadata. Yeah, and... Who knows, maybe in the future, like there is not even going to be a headset. It's going to be the, 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 the chip that it goes into your head and you just peacefulize and everybody has the same chip and you didn't even need a device. <laughs> you could, that sounds text. Who knows? Shit. <laughs> well, but how do you, and, and, and in related with that, how do you imagine that what's going to happen with Argyle in 10 years? Where, where are you going to be in 10 years? in 10 years okay let's see one thing is so we we talked a little bit about some of the ai stuff that we're working on i think in a few years that's going to become a much larger part of what we are 
building because the first step was we needed the data on the site resiliently all the time. And that unlocks everything else. And nobody's, nobody's going to start using it until it's just useful as that. So the first thing is we've got to build that good, solid AR product. But it's, it's kind of getting there and we're starting to be able to turn our sites more towards, all right, now that we have that, what can we build from here? And we start to look at things like job site hazard detection. Um, we are, we for just uh, having a team meeting today, planning out all of the um, uh, markups and metadata and uh, doing punch lists and RFIs right there on site and being able to send that data in a way that is more rich than our current ways of filling out paperwork to send each other information. So Argyle in 10 years is going to be smarter. It's going to be more connected. Um, I intend to have some more engineers on the team so I can take some vacations. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Don't get greedy. Don't get greedy. Okay, okay. I, uh, based on my personality, I will still probably struggle to relax on those vacations and I'll end up writing code anyway. But, you know, that's just me and that's, I'll talk to my therapist about that. I don't, I'm so sorry about this, but I don't see you drinking pina coladas uh, on the beach and not thinking about cold. I know you got no all human coladas on the beach, and I'll still think about code. I can do both. <laughs> yeah, and 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 actually having the, the laptop there and be being coding at the same time. A little bit, yeah. I I can see that for sure. <laughs> I get about four days into a vacation, and then I start to get antsy, and I need my code day. Jeez. Hey, I do have the same problem, so I I do hope for the sake of 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 having a more healthy life that that ends once you are past the 10 years or something of a company and you can just you know relax i think that, life. that sounds ideal i'll, I'll start practicing i think yes <laughs> uh, okay this this was really really fun uh i'm not gonna start asking questions about algorithms <laughs> i wish i could but that's gonna be like Su super boring. Well, like, yeah. what compression algorithm are you using? Or <laughs> that'll be in the after dark but, um, podcast version. We'll yeah, we, we can do. We can. We, we we can we can do that. It's like, you know, Pablo wanted to, and he's gonna kill me for this, but pa Pablo was wanted to start an OnlyFans account <laughs> when it was gonna be called the C <laughs> Naked Naked C Sharp was gonna be called. So. That act, I'm into it. That sounds great. Hey, hey, <laughs> I, I told him, like, I'm willing to pay for it. Like, if there is an account <laughs> like that, I'm willing to pay for it. This is, uh, this is an excellent idea. I will invest. Uh, perfect. I, was, I will come back to you with, with, with the actual link and, and Pablo in front of the camera. <laughs> excellent. Uh, but before before we wrap up, um, what we all what I always do at the end of the podcast is 
uh, ping pong questions. Okay. So I'm going to make questions. And then the first thing that comes to your mind, just is, shoot it. All right. Let's see what happens. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Give me uh, a great AC software. Um, is it called Sapphira? I think it's Sapphira. When I was an architect, I used it for doing uh, energy modeling analysis. And I thought they did an excellent job, excellent interface, and uh, quality important product. I hope they're still in business. I haven't been an architect in years, but it was great. Good choice. Uh, the next big, big, big trend in AC, don't say AI, please. Uh, I mean, definitely, it's not just AR, it's Argyle. No. Um, the next big trend in AC, um, I'm going to say bringing back coveralls, but make them fashion. Is that not the kind of answer you were looking for? Okay. Bright neon coveralls. <laughs> I'm looking. That's it. Yeah. Hi. Hey, I love that answer. Because. Go, goes really well with with the with the OnlyFans account of the naked sea show. Oh yeah, for sure. Wait, don't you have bright red coveralls in your website? We do. Yes, we do. Maybe that was in my subconscious yeah. when I thought when I, when I made. That we answer. do. No, next time what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna wear one uh, for the podcast or wow. uh, when I go to a conference, I could do that for sure. Nice, that's good branding. <laughs> Uh, another one, um, if you could collaborate with any person in history on, on a project, let's say, we can even say Argyle, which person would you choose? Um, Zaha Hadid, uh, the architect. I think that those forms were probably very difficult to build in traditional uh, mediums, and I think that it would be very fun to see those Argyled, uh, done up all in 3D, and then you can check that work. I think that would be a very fun project to work on. Yeah, that's cool. That'll find Gary for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 Out, outside the AC, let's not speak about cold. What's your hobby or any activity that you have a passion about? I have recently been reopening my music hobby i was in a terrible garage band in high school i always used that as kind of a a relaxation and outlet a, a sort a meditation kind of moment um drumming i think is the closest thing i can get to good meditation it quiets all the other thoughts and i've recently been trying to open that back up and it's been very fun <clears throat> That's cool. That's cool. Uh, next time, if we play something, just let me know. Ha, huh? willing to to have a, a daily meeting or something while you play music. All right, perfect. <laughs> Very cool. Um, last but not yeah. Last but not least, um, what's your favorite building in the world, and have you ever visited? <clears throat> oh. Oh gosh, I'm terrible at favorites. Um, I'll, I will say a recent, I recently, it, I, I won't say favorite, but I will say uh, a recent, I, I went to the 9-11 Memorial 
when I was in New York recently. And that one, it, it is simple. It is evocative. I was never impressed with the pictures I saw. And then in person struck me. That was, that was one that was very much designed for the experience of the human there. And I was very impressed with it. True. I, I, I agree. When, when you visit it, like in, in the pictures, like, well, it's, like, oh yeah, that's a nice idea. square with two holes. But yeah, when you get there, the deep, the details, the details, the details is on for the human scale, the water. Yeah. 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 I agree with you on that. Absolutely. Okay, man. I, I know you're extremely busy and you need to keep coding, uh, stuff on unity and BR, AR. So, uh, thanks very much for, for the time. This was super fun. Yeah. Thank you. This was excellent. Great to catch up. Yep. And I'll see you around and make sure where, where people can contact you before we oh. eat. Um, Leap. yeah, I gonna confess. I don't actually look at my socials that much anymore, <laughs> but, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me if you look for Logan and Argyle, um, I do, let me just check to make sure that I'm right about this. Um, my Twitter is, oh, I'm not even signed in. Let's see. I think it's spatial hair, <laughs> which my kid came up with because I do spatial computing and I have facial hair. Um, yeah, I think it's spatial underscore hair. So, so check that one. If I'm not there, then. I guess that means I don't use it enough to know. <laughs> but then you can find Argyle right. on our website, um, argyle.build. I'm also on TikTok where I talk about technology. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks very much again, Logan. Appreciate and looking forward to the progress and everything that Argyle is bringing to the AEC. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks to our listeners. If you like this content, you can find past and upcoming episodes in ASUWorks.everse.com and at all of our Ever social media. We'll love to hear from you and recommendations for new content, so leave us a DM and we'll make sure to catch you.